Hello and welcome to the third episode of uh, On the Pod, my lord. Uh, it's me, James Russell, your usual host, but it's a bit different this time because I'm joined by Ellis Sanford, uh, writer with me over at 7500 to Halt. If you wouldn't mind saying hello, Ellis. Jump hello, in. how are you doing? Right, man. Yeah, I'm all good, man. I'm all good. It's not like, you know, we uh, chatted before this podcast at all. This is just a no, no, meeting. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're uh, all all set and ready to go. And uh, before we get into stuff, obviously, there's two different Villa podcasts you should be listening to. One's the Villa Review, which, you know, fantastic. Um, and uh, there's our own Holtcast, which, you know, fantastic. But yeah, we this podcast isn't really about dissecting news and all that because there's two fine podcasts that do it. We just go deep into topics. And uh, Ellis has kindly written up a bunch of subjects that we can really, you know, pick apart. And uh, would you like to go into the first one of those, Ellis? Okay. Jamie Vardy. Hero, villain, nice guy. Why are we talking about Jamie Vardy on a Villa podcast? I think it's because Villa probably 90% had him on the way to their team in the summer. And, you know, (laughs) what things would have been completely different, but we'd have had a, uh, a racist star striker, which, you know, no one wants that or do they but well yeah this is a question i'm asking to you ellis would you want jamie vardy you know after everything that's happened would you want him in Aston villa or or, you know if it if it means not getting relegated i mean we've had a lot of time to think about this like i mean every time he scored for leicester i think about it so that's happened quite a lot yeah imagine yeah i just wouldn't want him it's hard man because what he did it's understatedly terrible. It's like, it's not like he said, come out and said, oh, you know, the worst term you could ever say. It's still been a racist term. But it's like people kind of brushed it under the carpet. So it has this like mob effect where you think it's okay. Not like you think it's okay, but because everyone else has kind of brushed it under the carpet, it kind of makes you think, oh, was it that bad? Of course it was bad. But yeah, uh, Jamie Vardy, uh, he's got quite a history of this stuff. I haven't, looked into it too much because uh you know you don't look at people you don't research about people you don't really like and he seems mm-hmm. like uh through the vines and stuff i've saw of him when he's um you know his ultimate team card got changed he puts his head through it i kind of just have you seen that no <laughs> yeah uh so basically he's uh he was rated like 72 and then he got m- boosted up to about 75, which is like gold standard. And I gave him his new card. And he, he's holding up this big card of his head saying 72. Puts his head straight through it. And f- not sure I want that. That type of person is someone we've got in, in abundance. They just aren't playing football very well. Uh, but yeah, um, not sure that I can kind of agree with you there. If Even if it gunned Villa to safety, would you want someone who you know, brought this man down, you know, to a three-letter word, you know, because mm. he didn't agree with him, he didn't get on with him. So, so, Do you think, though, that a lot of people are, like, maybe forgiving him or at least looking past it because he's English? Like, you still, like a lot of people, even if you're not a Leicester fan, you still have a reason to like him because he's playing for your national team. I think if you're English, you should certainly understand that racism carries more of a weight than it does in uh, other countries like Luis Suarez, you know, it could be a cultural thing. Some of the things he said, like just a cultural misunderstanding, you know, are clearly it's racist, but with Jamie Vardy, there's no excuse. You know, it, it's not like he comes from the Shire. You, you know, he's not from middle earth. These things, you know, 
outside of the US, there's no, there's not really a, a place with as much, you know, mixing of cultures and races mm. as, you know, the United Kingdom. Maybe not in Wales or Scotland or Ireland, but certainly in, uh, in you know, in England, in inner city England. Mm. You know, it's, it's a great, you know, it's a, the, the term that, you know, mounting pot, but it is, you know, it, growing up in Birmingham, you don't really define yourself to, you know, one thing. You're kind of weaving in and out of everything. Everything's going on all at the same time. Definitely. But, you know, for me, to, if I was to be racist, there'd be no, no goddamn excuse. So applying myself to Jamie Vardy, he's got no excuse, has he? Even if he is English, you know, fuck forgetting him. Mm. I mean... It's easy for me to say that what he said is... De- I mean, what he said is deplorable. There's no looking past that. Yeah, I but, think... I mean, if he was Welsh and he was playing up front for us for Euro 2000, like at U- the Euros, yeah. it's easy for me to say now that I wouldn't like him. But until I'm in that situation, I can't really say anything because I'd be hypocritical because I just... I don't know. Like If I was a Leicester fan, I'd probably still support him. Yeah. But, I probably hate myself for doing it, but he's won them the league. Yeah, I mean, like, and people sweep it under because, you know, it's a shortening of the guy's culture. Hmm. The word Jap, yeah, I don't agree. Personally, this is my, my view on it, is you're just shortening this man who could be, of you know, from anywhere hmm. in East Asia to this three-letter world that might not even be his culture. You're just looking at him, making a snap judgment and trying to reduce him to three letters. You know, uh, and I'm not sure how you'll feel if uh, Jamie Vardy puts uh, Wales under in there this summer. You know, ruins ruins the night of the fairy tale because you know it's it's on the cards, isn't it? Certainly yeah. on the cards. And um, you know, mm, I don't really want to think about that. But yeah, I mean, thanks. like, no, nah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not yeah. doing you down. But like, all it, all it takes is that, and mm, you know, yeah, we've no, got no. a great team, and that's something we'll we'll actually come on to in the the course of this conversation. That you know, teams like Wales and Leicester. In particular, as things Villa themselves want to emulate, but you know Jamie Vardy puts Wales down, and then he's a villain in a lot of people's eyes, isn't he? He's even more so. But then he becomes the hero because it's a derby for England fans, mm. and that's not a view I'm comfortable to take. To you know, put this racist I on mean, a pedestal. Should he even be in the national team? Is he where, like surely the national team is like where every kid looks up to because those are where you want to be. Yeah. Surely by putting someone like came in the national team, it's showing the kids that you can say stuff like that because there's no yeah. real repercussions. And that's think, wrong. The thing is, we're so far past that even been a point of conversation, really, because the dude's leading the line for Leicester and he's going to win the PFA Player of the Year. And he's a racist. And mm. I'd put those you know, awards a lot higher than being playing for England because his face is going to be everywhere. You know, mm. he wins the Premier League with Leicester. He's possibly on the cover of FIFA next year, you know, glo- glo- global territories. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm not sure how people feel about that, especially, you know, considering where Leicester's owners come from, this guy must have done what miracles behind the scenes to come back from that. <laughs> it's so far beyond the beyond belief, but to get back to the original point, would you take him at Aston Villa? And I honestly can't give a straight answer because he's been forgiven by so the people higher up far higher up than me for what he's done i can't forgive him but my opinion doesn't matter does it <laughs> that wouldn't make for an interesting discussion though would it no no <laughs> exactly no let me say what i want but yeah what we got next ellis what we got next 
The protests. The protests, okay. Are we out the door? Are we in the door? Are we sitting down? Are we standing up? What are we doing? Well, yeah, um, for the uninitiated, there's been three free protests now. Um, there was out the door on 74, which was reasonably successful, you have to say, yeah. um, despite the stadium being half empty anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, the amount of people that left certainly got talked about. Uh, then they cut out. They were meant to have another walkout, but that didn't surface. No, then it was the aeroplanes. Yeah, that, and that was banners. incredible. Um, and that was brilliant. You know, understated. That that protest, that should have been the one really. Uh, get everyone involved in that because that blew my expectations out the window. That was you know pictures of that still surfaced you know on the front page of the mail. You know that was on the BBC website. Everything, every bad story about Villa has got you know proud history, what future banner, and then littering the picture of the paper planes afterwards. And then uh, we had this weird one. Was it was it like sit sit down? For uh, seven minutes? No, don't go yeah. in for seven minutes, yeah. Keep your seat empty for seven minutes because Randy Luna doesn't ever sit down at Villa Park or something. And it just didn't really work. I mean, I was at Villa Park that day and I didn't notice a noticeable I'd, influx no. in the seventh minute. That was a few, me accidentally. <laughs> um, I was taking photos and uh, Ellis one knows. I was taking photos outside the stadium and my I dropped my phone and it slid down this bank outside of Villa Park and it's just sliding along its grass and I'm like I was just my face is in the air. I know what's gonna happen. Turns out my phone's alright, my battery fell out, I put it back in, it was on one percent one percent battery for about eighteen hours after because <laughs> I was gonna get to a charger. But yeah, um I noticed a lot of people coming because I was coming in with them, so it, it's biased. Um there was a lot of people because, you know, it's cramming those small walkways. So you're thinking, oh, my God, yeah. there's a lot of people coming in here. There's really about six. Yeah, no, I mean, because I was obviously sitting across um, the opposite end of the whole yeah, end. Yeah. So I could see the whole stand and it didn't uh, fill up too much more. So, it's a shame, really. It yeah. I mean, like, obviously not to do the people who do the protest down because, you know, they're taking their time out to organise it. Mm. But I come from, you know, I'd like to champ- think of myself as some kind of champion of social justice, or, you know, a good person in general. <laughs> and what protest means to me is to change people's lives, you know, to take a stand against something, you know, tyrannical, not not like revolutionary in any sense, but to take something, that, you know, like disability cuts and stuff like that. And I think there's only so much capital that you have to spend on protests because you can't just keep doing them. You can't just go, yeah, we're... Pfft, Fuck this! We'll protest again next week, lads. It's a it's a one time deal. Um, you know, people can have marches as much as they want, but you know, the prime minister of the United Kingdom got away with something. You know, last week we don't have to go into that too much. But there's, you know, this is something I would call for a massive protest, and there was, but not to the scale there would be if there wasn't so many before. And the point I'm trying to make here is that. Villa have had four, four or five major protests in the last four years when we should have really been angling for one big one. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> right now, I mean, we've had, what, three protests in, like, six weeks. I mean, it's all well and good, but wouldn't it make more sense to concentrate all the efforts into one big protest? Because, like, I know my mum, she came with me to Villa Park on Saturday. She's not the biggest Villa fan, but she's known about the protests because they made the media... And her question was, so what they do in this time? Like, there's been too many different protests that the message has kind of been lost. Now it's just we're protesting, but nobody really knows why because it's just too much. Yeah, and, and it's... changing. Oh, flipping! 
like what annoys me so much is it's not nothing against those guys but as i said protest is something for social change and it's mm. something you save up and do it's not villa fans aren't an endangered subculture you know they're not just going to suddenly be wiped out mm. i believe um, villa do mean, so, yeah why why are we protesting to get randy Lerner out i mean randy wants to go the club's for sale yeah. i don't really know why we're protesting there's certainly things he could do and I, you said in your post the best, you know, when you sing these things and say these things at the players, you at least feel like you're doing something, you feel good. Um, but to, you know, to, to keep doing this, us Villa fans aren't, it, pe- people make comparisons to North Korea, you know, where people are starved to death and eat each other and shit like that. <laughs> and, you know, you know, people are <laughs> dire straight, like in bad conditions where, you know, the situation where cannibalism could consider something to get you through the day. You know, the state spies on you without, you know, relentlessly. Villa fans are, you know, one got, one got kicked down. That's really, really bad. But it's nowhere near, you know, even that's been addressed, hasn't it? Because that was yeah. by Tom Fox's. Yeah, and he fixed up and uh, he got into it, but it's just like God. <sighs> you know, to to protest, to get, where does it end? Where does it keep? Where does it keep going with all this? You know, what's shouldn't it have been saved for when we were relegated? You know, we can't make Randy Lerner solve the club. And from what I've seen, he's pumped lots of money into the club, even though he is a problem. Is where the money's going is the problem. He is just constantly shelled out for the club, mm. you know, throughout the years. So I don't know what this changes. I mean, is it just uh, to, make, to make people heard? Is it to do something? I applaud them for doing it, but I just wish that we could have all spent this prestige and this capital up that we've accumulated with all its anger, you know, to pull it somewhere in one direction rather than go, oh, put a bit here, slice a bit out there and have a cancel that. We'll move it along to the, you know, the Chelsea game and then we'll do it afterwards. Nah, bring it all together, all the anger, like bottleneck it at the end of the season, send it out, make a massive statement. What would you have done at the end of the season out of interest? I am going to steal a review. <laughs> I'm going to steal an idea from the Aston Villa review. And they said, tele- if there's a televised game, which there probably will be, the Newcastle one looks like a pretty tasty one yeah. uh, for t- television. It says not it even is. go in the stadium. Just make as much noise outside the sta- in an empty stadium, outside an empty stadium as you can. Just get everyone together. Don't just use social media because there's so many fans of Aston Villa that don't even look at, you know, aren't even aware <laughs> Yeah. The Aston Villa protest group, because if there was, you know, it had a bigger impact. Go around the stadium, a game beforehand, hand out leaflets, make it clear, you know, there's going to be something going on at the, the next game, the next televised game. Have everyone stand out for at least 45 minutes at the start of the game, roaring, chanting, making as much noise to distract from what's going inside, going on inside the ground. And I think, you know, you can't, if you're going to do something, you've got to do something like that, a massive. A ma- not even not even a walkout. Don't even go in at all. That's fair. You know, make make as much noise outside the stadium as you can. Yeah. Uh, what What about you, man? What about you? Uh, well, I know what I wouldn't do, and that's what the group of people in the north stand were doing on Saturday, and it was just chucking ping pong balls onto the pitch, and about three balls actually made their way to the pitch because you know ping pong balls aren't exactly very heavy. So I think it through. Right, that's what I think the problem is. People are just getting angry and just acting yeah, a little bit irrationally. Like, I mean, obviously they saw what was it, Charlton Athletic. They threw yeah. tennis balls onto the pitch. Yeah, that's that a, worked. That that's was a brilliant. Cool, such a 
bad, you know, far, far worse of a place mm. than Aston Villa could hope to be in. So you see stuff like that and you feel a bit bad because you're like, we're, we're still in the Premier League. We're if here. anything, we're like the spoiled brats of like the football world. We've had it good. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I feel that. We've I'm had sure it we're allowed to be upset, but I feel like some people are like, when they say, oh, we're going to be in League 2 in like three years, I feel like people are just... Overreaction, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously you understand the sentiment, but you know, Randy mm-hmm. Lerner didn't choose not to turn up this year, did he? He's not Kieran Richardson. He's not Alan Hutton. He's not Gabby Bongo. He didn't choose to, uh, you know, make the decisions he's chose this year. They certainly could have put a bit more money in in terms of transfers. But you know, he he's not the one playing football, is he? We've got, on paper this team does not even touch a relegation zone. Nowhere near. They're saying that neither would Newcastle, and they're down there too. Yeah, well, Newcastle. So. That's a different story. And yeah, probably a different oh podcast. God. Yeah, they're in an awful situation. Now. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I invite Aston Villa fans to look at Newcastle and think at least we're not Newcastle because they're going down with a wage bill that will crush every mm. single club. Do you, remember, down. do you remember after January, everyone was like, John Shelby, why didn't we go for him? But apparently, he's going to be on eighty grand a week. In the eighty grand a week yeah. in the championship, as well as Anderson, which who's on about sixty grand, as well as you know, uh, everyone, everyone in that club, I, there wouldn't be a relegation, you know, a wage drop or a wage mm-hmm. halving like there is at Villa. You know, Michael Richards, everyone we've signed is on a, a, a wage drop, which is you know it's... one of the things we can thank Tom Fox, Tom Fox for. Would that include Adama? Well, hopefully. But a weird contact, isn't it? As long as he's, uh, you know, I think we can afford Villa are in a position where they can afford to pay over the odds in terms of wages for someone like that because everyone else is on a drop. And the the terms used where everyone who has been signed, you know, their wages are going to drop if we go mm. down. So fingers crossed, yeah. But um, I'd rather have one person on 60, 60 grand a week than a three on 80. <laughs> you know? Mm. I don't think we've got anyone on 80 at all. I think the highest is in, in Zogbia, maybe. Or Gabby on 65. Oh, Jesus. Is that... Really? I think so. I think he was... I've, I've always thought he'd be, like, on 40, which is still a lot of money, but it's nowhere near 65. Wow. It's one of, it's one or the other. 40 or 65 or two I've heard. Hmm. Jesus. That's something to think about, isn't it? Wow. Mm. Gabby Bonhoor, 65 grand a week and uh, not to spoil the whole cast uh, for you later but I'm pretty sure they'll be talking about Gabby going to fat camp <laughs> on, uh, 65 grand a week but yeah uh, moving on from protests Ellis what's up next why can't Aston Villa win football matches why can't Aston Villa win football matches dollar, well, more than a million dollars many millions of dollars of question many, right there how many games have you been to this season Ellis Three, three Unfortunately, games. I mean, I live in the city, and I've only been to three. It's and they've won awful. one of those, which wasn't the Premier League; it was the uh, yeah, it was Capital. Game, yeah, Birmingham. Oh, it's still pretty good. That's fine. That's a pretty cool game, but yeah, um, I've been to how many games, and I've seen two wins, <laughs> probably less goals. Um, How can it be less goals? Um, yeah. One was Palace. Norwich. And one was Palace, and both were unexpected. <laughs> yeah, you can say that again. Uh, I remember I was running the Facebook, and I was just like, what the shit? <laughs> what? Yeah, um, I didn't even... The goal that went in, it was just incredible. Uh, Julian Lescott, but... Wayne Hennessy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. 
for you as well. Oh, oh wow. If, uh, the the yeah, for those who don't know, uh, Ellis uh, comes from Wales, so he'll be uh, following Wales, you know, in the Euro- European Championship with uh, Wayne Hennessy in goal, which, you know, should be exciting and all. I, mean, I hope, <laughs> hope he performs. bit unrelated to Villa. I feel a bit bittersweet as well watching West Brom because Boaz Myhill, he's one of us. Yeah. He's, one of, he's one of, a cracking keeper. He's like American he as well, isn't he? He's like American, half, Welsh, American, American Welsh. Boaz, is that Welsh or American? I don't think we even have Zs in our alphabet. You have a lot of Gs and a lot of As and Us. And double Ds and double Ls. Yeah, and, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't even... That was pretty good impression, <laughs> actually. Um, but yeah... Um... <laughs> What, what were we talking about? Do you know, it's something I think about so much. It's like, why can't? But I was in the Sunday League team and I was the goalkeeper and we got like 40 goals put past us like a match. Um, you know, when when you can't win, it go, it's obvious, but you, you can't win. You can't just... It takes a, a monumental effort that these Villa players aren't capable of making. They don't have the mentality to make it to uh, get out of the relegation zone. They don't have the mentality to win, if not by accident, like against Palace, which was against ac- on accident. Um, mm. You know, when when you're when you're in the position Aston Villa are in, winning the game isn't isn't going to come to you. You've got to make it, and when you don't know how to, you know, make the win, you can't win. If you're you're in that position, you can't win. Um, if mm. it's a confidence issue, you're got you're not going to take the chances you usually would. And the situation Villa are in right now, you wouldn't want to go near the ball in case you make a mistake. You wouldn't even want part of that. You wouldn't want to even try because if you make a mistake, I mean, you're blamed for the relegation. And, and you can see you can feel that at the games as well. Like you see a player misplace a pass. If you're in mid table, the fans are just like. Shit happens, but like Ashley Westwood misplaces a pass and just like the stadium just howls. Like, yeah, it's I just mean, not a good environment to be in. Yeah, I mean, I'm not all for booing our players all the time, but when you've paid money to see people not even, you know, play to the definitely not play to the 100% of their ability, you know, Ashley Westwood, people like him, you know, we've seen better. You can't blame, you know... You... It's a confidence issue though, in that case, isn't it? That's probably not him not caring. Yeah, That's it's more so that he can't. Afraid. He genuinely mm. can't get out of this funk. And it mm. is a shame because, foot, unfortunately, Premier League football stadiums aren't the place to find confidence, are they? You have to, you have to bring that. You have to bring that yourself, and that's it's it's a catch twenty two because you need to win to get confidence. You have to win to get confidence. Pre-season is going to be massive for the players that do stick around. Yeah, because. If this was football manager, it would be abysmal by all their names in terms oh, of God, morale. No. You wouldn't be able to get them out of it. They'll have different complaints. And, uh, you know, if people think Premier League players live the life of Riley on 60 grand a week, but that, that money is compensation for being, you know, sub- mm. subject to uh, vast criticism I, by the press and people. Uh, you know, that's 60 grand. It comes because that's the money in the game. It's relative, you know. Money is relative. What they spend, what they do off the pitch, that's that's all that. When they come onto the pitch, you'd at least like to see a bit of effort. And if that can't be made, at least someone try and find how to get that effort out of them. Because as I said, um, a lot of it comes down to confidence, but a lot of it also, you know, just as much comes from people 
being scared to do stuff that they usually do because of fear of criticism. I think that's valid in the case of someone like Jolie and Lescar, who, when he gets the ball, he's just suddenly frozen in the middle of the pitch going, oh, geez, there's so many opportunities to do here. What, what am I going to do with this ball? Because if I do the wrong thing, you know, people are going to get on my back. If I do the right thing, no one's going to care. It doesn't mm. remove what I've done. I mean, Lescar, for me, I mean... Once he made that tweet with his car or didn't tweet, <laughs> that was him gone for me. Oscar. His attitude. And, I mean, this is probably his last big payday, realistically. So, yeah. for him, it's just a case of going through the motions now. Sit yeah. out the money. But for players who are a bit younger, I feel very sorry for them because, I mean, it's potentially career ruin, ruining because, I mean, you're a Premier League footballer you're forever going to be known as playing in like the second worst Premier League team ever. Oh, of course, so, yeah. You know, like uh, even Leandro Bakuna, I mean, he shouldn't have said, oh, I want to play in the Champions League. But that shows he's got desire to keep on trying. In the Champions League, yeah. Yeah. And he isn't one of the ones that looks like he's given up. Oh, he, no. He's playing without any confidence, but he does try. So yeah. I, I'm not one of the people that boo him every time he touches the ball. I laugh when they do the Champions League chant. That's funny, yeah. Because it's <laughs> hilarious. But yeah, and yeah, he deserves I feel that. bad for him. No, I do. I do feel, uh, I do really feel for Leandro Bakuna. It mm. seems more stupidity than real, real mm. uh, you know, some, like he's a bad person. He didn't say mm. anything because he's a bad person. He was frustrated. He spoke out. Yeah, he said him because he, he, he can't handle his emotions or he doesn't seem as intelligent to think that other people can understand where he's coming from. As well, because we've seen him get fired up and like against Leicester, I think last season he got fired up. He yeah, against Man City as well, he strangled uh, Raheem Sterling. Man, he he cares. Yeah. He just doesn't say the words that you would want him to say. You know, he doesn't think the way you would want him to think, and mm. you know that's that's his issue. And you know, we'll have to come to terms with what he said yeah. and what he said. Was always a is another one for that matter. He's yeah. spoken out. Yeah, um, he's not one of the ones that gets the criticism. He doesn't deserve the criticism, and he's probably the one of the ones that's in the worst place. Because no, I mean, yeah. when he signed, he was like a young prospect. Oh, hot, yeah. Could have gone to Chelsea. Now he's a centre back in the worst defence in quite a while. Nah, but well, let me correct you. He's a centre back. He's a person. He's a centre back. You can't get into the worst team in quite a while. <laughs> you know, it is uh, looking bad for Yara's off on and off the pitch. Um, I hope he sticks around. No, but really, yeah, really do I hope don't he sticks know if he will. But you have to ask where these players are getting their advice from. Uh, you know, I get him lashing out about his contracts, but Villa are in no position to even think about extending people's contracts right now. It's in fact the opposite. They'll be looking at who they can boot out of this club as fast as possible, and Yorez has made no case for himself whatsoever. Mm. But yeah, it's a, it's a real shame, and uh, to see people who try like him and Leandro Bakuna, who ge- generally, you know, genuinely try, and they're embedded in the team. Why can't they win? Why can't they win when people like Bakuna are in the team? People who seem to, you know, give at least ninety-five percent. Is there then a case of this a core of players who are maybe? detrimental to the team but you know the older ones perhaps yeah because michael richards get, gets named in this but i can't see on the on the pitch i can only see his own aggression to get to the ball being a downfall and he's been named in this you know detrimental group but i i feel i feel like that doesn't exist i feel i honestly feel like that's not there because 
you know, when you're playing for Aston Villa in the Premier League, you're there to, to you know, the scrutiny's on you. And if you're this detrimental, you know, locker room, dressing room toxic, toxin, then that's going to that's gonna be clear on the pitch, but it's not clear. Just, you know, you can't pinpoint these people out. You know, Alan Hutton gives it all. He gets sent off. He's pretty crap at football. But, <laughs> you know, there's nothing on the pitch that makes me go, oh, Alan Hutton is, yeah, he's the worst one. He's putting people off. And even with Jolien Lescott and Michael Richards and Brad Goose, then you can't see things on the pitch that go, oh, wait, these guys are bad guys behind the scenes. The thing with Guzan, actually, I mean, he seems to have changed like I mean, obviously his head's gone his attitude is and like he's just not happy where he is but i noticed it especially on saturday the defense makes an error he's there screaming at them wouldn't it be more productive to just encourage them i mean i know obviously the soft approach isn't necessarily going to work but i feel like just shouting at your defenders when they make mistakes isn't going to help them I mean, the fans are shouting at them, so does Guzan need to shout at them too? That's what I'm asking. Yeah, um, it's a funny thing with Brad Guzan because he is a, a big part of answering this question, why can't Aston Villa win? Is because they have a bystander for a goalkeeper. They have someone who chooses to get involved when he shouldn't and doesn't get involved at all when he is needed. You know, he mm. is there to constantly organise the defence. I've always learned as a goalkeeper, you have to keep your eye out on this line, back line, because they're going to wonder, they're going to stray. They're not world-class defenders. They're not Rio Ferdinand, you know. They're not Paolo Maldini. They're not going to stay in position. They're not going to mm. do things. They're going to wonder out. They're going to watch the ball and wonder out because they're so worried in their head about making a mistake. Brad Guzan needs to be there to go, oi, oi, back. Stuff like that. Mm. <laughs> you know, pull them in. You never see him do that. You see him watching now with hand... You know, his hands on his uh, hips, waiting for himself to make another mistake, waiting for someone to make, an, make a mistake he'll be blamed mm-hmm. for. I don't see why we drop Mark Byrne. He had one bad game. Guzan's had more than one bad game. I, I think it's because Aston Villa need Brad, the old Brad Guzan. You know? I, I don't think he's there. <laughs> I don't. And I mean, even like. I know Robert and Jack and all, they watch the, the um, American games because obviously they be in America. <laughs> and Guzan gets a lot of stick playing for their team too. So clearly some, he's not just not finding his form at Villa. Something's fundamentally changed. Yeah, but I think we should just cut our losses personally. Brad Guzan is a year or two, I think, from being in that period of where a goalkeeper should be, that peak you know, that 30 to 36 peak of a goalkeeper. And he is nowhere near what I'd have expected because, you know, two two or three years ago, Brad Guzan was unstoppable, you know, pretty much in one of the top five, top 10 keepers in the Premier League for me. And at any rate, saving everything that comes his way. Not, not one mistake made. You know, the defense one thing, was... though, I've noticed, I don't know if this is like a full pattern, but a lot of goalkeepers that have played more games at a younger age sort of start to drop off a bit earlier. Like, you know, the Russian keeper, Akinfeev. Oh, he's yeah, not yeah. quite as good as back in the day. And he started out quite young. Obviously, yeah. I don't know if that's a trend, but it's an interesting thing to think about. It's right. It's an interesting thing to look at, you know, American, you know, American football quarterbacks. And usually the ones that are kind of chucked in don't really adapt well. It's the ones to, you can sit back a few years and learn it. And it is a similar position. It's like you're looking back and marshalling everyone. You've got to spot the mistakes and call them out before it leads to something going behind you into the goal. And uh, with Brad Guzan, as I said, with Brad Guzan, you see none of that. It's probably because as a young keeper, you are judged 
on how many balls you can save and stop going into the net rather than your communication abilities. And if someone doesn't catch you on those communication abilities, you're not going to even know that they're there. You're not even going to know what to do because you're so shit hot at saving footballs. So someone like Brad Guzan, who makes all these saves, maybe people didn't quite notice that he couldn't really speak to people and he couldn't really organise a defence because he's so good at saving the ball. And when, when he stops being so good at saving the ball, it kind of becomes clear because he's not saving the ball so much. The defence don't seem well. You can't judge him what's wrong. And, uh, yeah, for people who, you know, who started out young, maybe that's an aspect of their game that isn't focused on as much because they're so good at flying around saving mm. the ball. So, yeah. Volcom Villa win. Maybe they do, maybe they just need a goalkeeper. Maybe it's that simple. They just need a goalkeeper. I think if we start next season off well, you get one or two wins in. You need, they need to start thinking that they can win. I feel like they go into every game at the minute trying not to lose. Yeah, I don't think that's the best way to approach things. No, you've got to go to a game and just you know, the football is for the fun of it. You've got to have fun out of the games. You know, you're not there just simply just to pick up a paycheck. You're there because you love the game and you've dedicated your life to playing football. Tell so, that to Gabby. Yeah. <laughs> that eye roll, man, that completed me, that did. That, that sums up more than any word you could say about uh, Gabby. But yeah, <laughs> for those who are there to pick up a, a paycheck, at least, you know, get the aspect, of, the technical aspects of your game down to, to mm. win and, f- and finish matches. But to Villa players, you know, you're there to have fun and you're there to entertain people, so be entertainers. You know, don't drop after a goal, you know, it's always score one more than you, you know. If one goes past you, score two. Three go fast past you, score four. And it sounds simple, <laughs> but, you know, you got to play play to have fun and play to your best of your abilities. You're not there simply for the delight of the, you know, the watching crowd. You're there because you want to be there. And if you don't want to be there, and if there anymore, it's time to retire, isn't it? Even if it is 22 or 20, 28 or 36. If you don't yeah. want to be football anymore, you've got to retire because you can't drag football teams down with you. Um, so, yeah, Villa can't win games due to a number of reasons. And I've put psychological pressures and psychological issues at, you know, number one reason why they can't win football games. Absolutely. So, yeah, Alice, what we got next, man? What does relegation mean for you personally? Oh, well, let me put that question back to you first so I can think of something. <laughs> what does relegation mean for you, Ellis? I don't know. That probably wasn't a great question in hindsight because asked me on Saturday. I, 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 like, that was probably one Even though it's going to happen, I still refuse to believe it's going to happen until it happens, if you know what I mean. Because like, I'm so used to not getting relegated. I don't know how it's going to feel. But yeah, I know it's just gonna all I know is that people cry when they get re- you know when they're getting relegated. Don't think I will. I won't cry. But we've people... Had... And people will, but I feel like we've had long <laughs> enough to prepare for this. We've had about four or five years to prepare for everything. I was thinking since right October, but I mean that works too. Yeah, we, we this has been coming for a while. You know, let's let's be completely honest. This has been coming since Villa failed to replace uh, Gerard Julia with someone competent. You say that. But do you remember in the summer we all did that sort of we filled out that sheet like how do you think Villa will do this year? Yeah, I honestly thought pushing top half. No, I said that. I said this as well. Yeah, but I also mentioned relegation as a possibility. See, I didn't. 
<laughs> yeah, because we wouldn't have thought this, man. This wasn't. I said that because I know this. I, you know, for how 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 many years have we been in this same situation where, you know, we're seventeenth or we're eighteenth until May, and then we're suddenly fifteenth or eleventh. Yeah, I mean, like a season with Julier, we weren't great. No, we weren't great. Then we finished eight. Yeah, exactly. You know, you don't have to be amazing to to not go down. You just got to Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace have won one game in twenty sixteen. Forgot what year we were in, and they're not going down. Exactly. All you got to do is win some damn football games. That chances that are you know, gifted to you. How many games have Aston Villa possibly could have won this year? No, last year. No, we could have beat Crystal Palace to start off. We could have Sunderland. beat Liverpool, Sunderland, Norwich, Leicester. Le- you know, you win those games, and you're not even in the relegation zone. We win five or six games. That and Villa were gifted five or six opportunities to win games, or mm-hmm. even draw them. They're not even in the conversation for relegation. <laughs> you know, they're nowhere near. They're where Swansea are. Five games, thirty points. 32 points now. You'd be trying to survive. Yeah. That's rubbish, that is, man. Relegation to me, personally, doesn't mean any failure. It just means, God damn, how disappointing. Because mm. Derby, everyone looks at Derby and goes, oh, they're the worst team ever. When I, I remember seeing Derby play and they weren't bad. They just weren't cut out for Premier League football. This Aston Villa team is worse than that Derby team. And that Derby team has less points. Which proves, you know, proves our point earlier. A village, this team should be nowhere near. Yeah, but I mean, Derby had Robbie Savage, so they, they deserved everything they got. <laughs> yeah, they got deserved everything they got, but they, that that was not a Premier League team. You look back no, at that team, no. you go, "Oh my uh, god, how did this even?" Did come they up? um? Did they come up by the uh, playoffs? Because they just looked like a team that maybe sneaked in. They didn't have sort of that caliber of team that bossed the championship. Been saying that neither did Bournemouth, and they've the done Black all right Hall. this year. Mm. Oh Good yeah, point. um, they, they, had, they had no chemistry. They weren't, you know, they weren't a bad football team, but they just weren't Premier League quality, and they just maybe came up a year too early. And uh, this Villa team, though, as I've said, play worse, far worse football than than that team. Robbie Savage has said it himself, and I don't trust half the shit that comes out of that man's mouth. But on something like relegation, where he's went down for King, how many teams? <laughs> You know, he's an expert. <laughs> so you just what he says about teams getting relegated. And when he says Villa are, you know, not doing as good as his Derby team, at first you laugh it off and then you go, ah, oh, yeah, they've got a few of these points by complete accident. This is a team that should no, be nowhere near 15 points. They should be on about eight or nine. Yeah, uh, no, I wouldn't disagree with that. I'm just still thinking about Wayne Hennessy's howler. That still runs through my head. <laughs> But yeah, that, that's three points we didn't deserve. Yeah, uh, first game of the season, we weren't brilliant. I mean, that's we, the only one we, we thought. Oh wow! We, and Norwich, we beat Norwich quite well. But did we, or did Norwich just play worse than us? <laughs> that's a good question, actually. That was a dismal uh, game. Yeah, um, like, Gavin scores, but Declan Rudd screws up catastrophically. And Villa's. Um, I can't remember who's got the other one. I think it was Clark. That was a set piece. So it's hardly like the pinnacle of attacking football. The game we always go back to as well is that 3 2 against Leicester because Leicester weren't good in that match at all. Even even it winning it, that, that was not deserved. Villa went, here you go. 
We imploded. Yeah, Leicester would. Ord- the last goal was complete accident. Guzan screwed yeah. up. The first two goals were gifted to them. The Villa. Guzan loses a header to like the shortest player in the league. <laughs> Villa's defense lost a header. No one, no one cared. This this is that t- that team, you know, spirit clearly showing when no one cared and no one tried. They thought they were two two up and coasted it. Absolutely. Tactically, coasted. though, we didn't do ourselves any favors. Oh no, tactically we didn't, but. You could as soon as they came out for half time, they just stopped. No gear. Mm. Went from fifth gear to reverse. <laughs> they stalled. <laughs> Straight. They didn't even stall. The car blew up. The car <laughs> gone. Somebody stole the tires. <laughs> I was sitting there, waiting to go at the lights, and the car weren't there anymore. They were just standing in the road, waiting to get run over. But that three-two game. Everyone will go, oh, this was a great fight back by Leicester. It was not a great fight back by Leicester. You know, applaud it to them for winning the game, but Villa just went, nah, we don't want to play football anymore. We don't want to even pretend to be footballers anymore. We're 2-0 up and we coasted it. Yeah, I reckon as well, that plays quite a big part in how well Leicester have done this season. Because that probably gave them a boost. I mean, they started well, but it, that was like a big moment for them I guess it showed them that they had fight who knows hmm again that's yeah. a question for a Leicester podcast because yeah. they've got time to talk about happy shit <laughs> those Leicester fans are probably waiting to win that Premier League title to come back and harass you after oh, oh, my, oh god. my god they all invade then I've got a <laughs> nation blog as well they can fucking oh, hang around and Come at you with pitchforks. Yeah, I, I I don't like Leicester because of that. Yeah, mm. I don't like Leicester because as soon as you talk smack about their players, they come all out the woodwork. Mm. Like, no, I remember one. I remember one of them said, "Jamie Vardy can't be racist because he plays alongside Okazaki." Mm. Like, I swear down. One of them commented that on our preview, and I mean, <laughs> oh, I remember that, and you, you, you. I think you screen capped it, but. Like, <laughs> I feel sorry for people who are listening to this, like, audio, the audio version of because you can't see my facial reactions, because <laughs> this is insane. Like, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I know some lovely Leicester fans, but... They fully deserve to them idiots. I hope they lose it. I hope Tottenham beat them. <laughs> but I don't even like Tottenham. No, me either, but, you know, s- s- as soon as you say a bad thing about them, they'll all come out of the woodwork. Well, the manager didn't. Villa's future manager didn't strangle someone on the pitch. <laughs> we'll call him an ostrich. Yeah, I mean, I've never had as much Twitter abuse as I've had off Leicester fans. That was horrible. So that was bad. Mm. That was in first, the first death threat in my journalism career. That, if was. that was me. I'd have been very close to suicide. I think like, that would, you know, stuff like that affects me like, badly. <laughs> like, mm. if someone to come at me, like you, had, you must have had about twenty Leicester fans on you. 24 was 20, the amount of comments it got at the end. What? <laughs> and I, was like, I laughed it off. To be yeah, it's, it was the thing is, they were all saying such stupid shit, but it just meant I could come back at them with facts. I mean, like if I, if one of them said to me, "Oh, Leicester are going to win the title," I, I would <laughs> not have, you know, I'd have laughed it off. And you know, fair play to them for winning it, but mm-hmm. you know, the players winning, not the fans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> fond of. We're fond of fans. But yeah, you know that that three two going back to that three two victory really defined the season. Really defined the season mm. for both teams. Leicester have got so many one you know one goal deficit wins. That and no that three two one goal deficit completely crowns it for them. That was the moment they won. That was mm. seriously because. You you get success in the Premier League not by building it but taking advantage of others and if others you know if Man United survival of the fittest yeah exactly if City Arsenal you know Chelsea and United can't you know get their shit together and win someone else has to win that that's been West Ham Tottenham and uh, Leicester uh, you know you're you're not given chances on your own back you've got to take other people's chances Villa did it Definitely. against Crystal Palace accidentally and did it against Norwich accidentally. That's what you've got to do if you're out the Premier League. You've got to go into each match hoping the other mm-hmm. team flips up. Go for it. Definitely. So, yeah, moving I mean, on. That's not, that's not a Premier League exclusive thing, actually. Yeah. If you look at, like, I don't know, did Atletico Madrid win last season? I don't Spain? know. Let me have a look. Atletico. Even then, that's not a great example because they had money. But a few years ago <laughs> in the Bundesliga, Wolfsburg, like Bayern Munich probably weren't quite as on form as they've been in previous years and then like yeah. more for capitalized. So I mean it happens. Hmm. Sucks it had to be Leicester. Yeah, I mean it does suck. It really does suck. Coming, coming from the Midlands, Leicester weren't even a, in the picture. And I saw someone walking around with a Leicester City shirt yesterday in my hometown pissed me off. Because <laughs> no nah, because no one was wearing this. No one was backing them. No one gave a shit about Leicester last year. <laughs> and like, when, when they needed you to get it, you weren't there. And now they're all hunky-dory top of the league, you know, winning the Premier League, you're there. Tell you what was strange, actually. Back in January, I went to Disneyland in America. Yeah. And I saw a family walking around wearing Stoke City shirts. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't see that a few years ago, would you? Now Stoke have a, a big bias over in the States as well because of a... Kicking the shit out of Arsenal players. <laughs> that is true. Uh, it's where a lot of the uh, bias against Stoke comes from in a you know, blog like it, you know, the ESPN football and stuff. Uh, whenever Arsenal play Stoke, it's like a, a South uh, Shawcross, yeah. didn't he? He broke Aaron Ramsey, belted him. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's a. Uh, I think it's about time to move on to the fifth. I believe fifth. Yep. The badge and the rebrand. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> where to start? Yeah, where, where do you start on this, man? Um, Villa got a new, a new badge. badge. 80 grand. It does look better, but it's not... Does so it? Yeah, I, better. I don't I, think it does. Yeah, but better as in... Oh, it's uh, a bit okay now. I mean, like, if they hadn't have told me that they were adding claws to the lion... I would never have noticed that the Lion didn't already have claws. That's true, actually. And I've realised how much I hate our current badge because it does look a bit weird. Like, I've never realised it was that bad. It was. It's this kind of weird blue. I don't like the star. Um, I don't like AVFC. You don't like the star? No. Nah, I'll tell you the reason I don't like the star. Because it's like we've got the star. It's like a smash and grab. It's like, oh, we've got it now. Like... <laughs> Like, okay, it's, it's yeah. almost saying, like, we can't win another one because we'll have to change our badge again. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And, um, yeah, I don't like the star because it just looks weird. It's not even gold. It's, like, white. And I, I like the new one better than the old one, but I don't like both of them. 
I don't like either. I'd rather have, I'd prefer the one that was kind of like a red kind of claret and it was stripes. And the one just before. If you the remember. one that we stopped in 2006. Yeah, the one we stopped in 2006. Not the mm. one before that, which is kind of this disjointed, uh, split up minimalist lion. I want that lion that we had before and that badge. Mm. Just go back to that badge. I don't know. I just didn't think there was anything particularly wrong with the badge we've got right now. Oh, and I mean, if you're going to change it, you do more than what we've done. Sure. Yeah, if you're going to change it, you make it round or something, something cool. Because mm-hmm. round in a, making digits and stuff, you make round badges because it's easy and it pops and it looks nice. Mm-hmm. You know, and Villa went, oh, we made it because we wanted to, you know, make a statement on the digital age, and they made the same fucking badge. <laughs> and it's just giving ammunition to the people who are like, oh, we're not prepared anymore. Yeah, it's a shit joke but it's a joke that shouldn't have to be made because yeah. why have we got rid of it? Because if you take it out because you don't want to seem like it's a joke, it becomes a joke. <laughs> you know, you can't No one was making that joke until they let them make the joke. Yeah. More for you, Villa. More for, more for you. The but last yeah. thing that Tom Fox did, basically. Yeah. It wasn't he that commissioned it. Yeah, and I can't believe I managed to get... I got like 2,700 words out of that. Cannot believe the anger. Thank you very much. Everyone should read it. Thank you very much, Ellis. Thank you very much. But yeah, I, like you know, it just came out two thousand seven hundred words because it is a waste of money. It's a, for a good reason. We should be wasting money on a badge, but we shouldn't be wasting money on a badge that looks almost identical. Mm. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't write that many words on it because I'm just indifferent. Right, as soon as I hear it, it's like, why? I just <laughs> don't care. That just sums up Aston Villa this season to me. Just I mean, indifference. It looked better Not on a angry. shirt, but I'd rather they didn't announce it like it was a big deal. <laughs> like, oh my god, yeah. we've rebranded. You've took some yeah. fo- layers off in Photoshop. It's not a rebrand. It's accidental clicking. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Added some claws. Yeah, added some claws. You know. The engraved's pretty cool. The, uh, I've just seen like, the engraved line. It's like raised on the badge. That's pretty cool. I'll give them that. That's pretty cool. But you can't see that in the, this initial stage. You know, it's not present. You know, it's something that isn't there. We can only see mm. these two comparisons. But on the shirt, it's going to be raised kind of 3D, like an engraved badge, which is pretty cool. That's cool. I didn't yeah. know that, to be fair. Yeah, like uh, the 3D version the actual engraved thing. The actual shirt is the engraved badge, which is pretty, pretty rad. That's it. There's not much really to say, nothing more we can really say about that badge because it is a bit. Um, I have one thing. Was it 80 grand or was it 2 million? Where's the 2 million coming from? Was that just the male talking out of their ass? I think 2 million is the cost of everything, like every single thing, like tickets. Changing the mugs. Yeah, because it's going to be stuff like changing the the InDesign template that their tickets were printed on and stuff like that. You know, Mm. the man I was involved in all that. I suppose the Pickwin on Villa Park as well. Yeah, yeah. The whole project, like a free five-year project in, involved in this, is probably going to be about two million. But getting the guys to make the badge is probably going to be about. Yeah. So first, I was like, "What? Two million on a new badge?" <sighs> I'd rather spend two million so if it looked different. I'll take that right now. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, you'd, I get excited and stuff like this. I like, you know, kit designs. I like new kits. I like sponsors. I like badges mm. and you know when you know, every 10 years you, you you only rebrand every 10 years so make it make it make an impact make a statement 
you know what I don't like, and I've not liked it like all season. I've never had the chance to really moan about it. Do you want the away kit? Yeah. The badge is yellow. I don't like that. I didn't even notice that. It is like yellow and black, isn't it? That's You've got it here, actually. Oh, live demonstration. Uh, yeah, here we go. It's on the shorts, but I've lost it. I've literally lost the bar. Oh, there it is. It's yellow. It's yellow. It's not even the same yellow as the shorts. It's bizarre, isn't it? What? I just don't like it. That's bad, that is. That's, like, weird. What the hell? That's kind of disturbing. <laughs> no, because At least we've only got it for, like, three more games. Whatever... That yellow shirt's really. I like the yellow. The yeah, yellow away kit. It's pretty cool. But why? There's. I don't think there's a club in the Premier League that have a different color badge. That's selling out. That is. That's bad. I didn't even realize. Because <laughs> that badge, it stays the same colors for a reason. That's your club badge. Hmm. You know, the away kit yeah. is derived from the colors on that badge. Hmm. They don't change a fucking badge. Jesus. I didn't even know. No. <laughs> But yeah, man, what 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 topic have we got next? Finally, Nigel Pearson. Oh yeah, Jesus, Nigel Pearson. I mean, is I'm more... mostly leaving that for the hot cast proper tonight. If they yeah. want to talk about that, yeah, it'd probably be be for those guys because you know we don't want to rip rip all the news away. But this is <laughs> this is major because Nigel Pearson. You know, suddenly newspapers just stop talking about David Moyes or anyone else. It's Nigel Pearson all the way now, which is usually a sign. That something's happening. Like it happened with Solskjaer and he came over a, a number of years ago mm. and spoke about the job. You know, there's no smoke without fire and there's a lot of smoke regarding Nigel Pearson right now. What do you think about it? I'm not a fan. I'm not. I've come around to it because I've got no, I've got no say in it. Yeah, that doesn't make it for a good podcast again. Um. <laughs> yeah, I've come around to it because like, I can't choose who's the manager, I have to get behind the manager. I don't like Nigel Pearson, but he's got more about him than Remy Gard and Tim Sherwood did. There is that, but again, it's like the Jamie Vardy thing all over again. He's not exactly the greatest of people. And I yeah, don't think I want that kind of guy it. in my club. Nah. nah I mean, obviously I'd still support them, and I don't doubt that he's a good appointment in terms of what he brings to the table. Look, yeah. I mean, you choked that guy. He called journalists ostriches. Which doesn't seem like the money. And he seems like Tim Sherrod in the sense he's got a big ego. He did I... give a homeless man 50 quid once. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, have you seen that vine of him getting harassed outside a pub? That's pretty funny. No. Uh, people I just go up to him in the street and go, Ostrich, you're an ostrich. You're an ostrich. He turns and just like, turn around. Like, <laughs> it's so sad because like, yeah. you, don't, you don't really deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. But, um, you know, I want him to come here with a clean... I don't like him, but if I was him, I'd want to go into a job with a clean slate and make my name there. And if, yeah. if, if he does the same stuff at Villa, yeah, I'll, I'll rattle on him. But um, I'd give him a chance to give him a shot. I think what we do need, though, is a short contract. Because we've given the last few managers four-year deals. And that just means we probably have to pay them more when we invariably sack them. Yeah, I'd give him a longer deal if Aston Villa actually plan on sticking with him because it's their fault the last manager went. It's no one else's fault. Mm. <laughs> you know, Bremi God was here for... Uh, he was going to be here for a while. He was planning mm. to stay on that contract. Someone changed and it wasn't on his side. 
And I mean, I'd maybe offer whoever comes in two years of like the option to like trigger automatic when you were on like 18 months. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Because I don't know. I, I can only imagine it costs a lot of money to sack a football manager. No, it makes it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. But um, you know, you, Villa can't hire anyone on the short term. Really, they're not in that position because if you hire someone on the short term, you know, you're not you know you're not planning for five years. You're planning for two. And mm. Villa need someone who's going to be five years. They, that's what they need because but does that happen in football anymore? I'd want it to. But does it? I'd want it to. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it um, doesn't. It doesn't, does it? Um, but they're, all, they're also talking about uh, Chris Powell as the assistant manager, which I'm a massive fan on. Oh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of that. Um, a lot of people a, going, yeah. About he's a great footballer, wasn't he? So he's yeah. probably more of a hands-on coach in terms of what he offers. Hmm. Yeah, Seems I mean, like a, it's better than right. someone like Ray Wilkins who just taught the talk. <laughs> Didn't do anything. Please don't ever say that name again. His car broke down on the way to his first day of training. Outside my house. My ad, outside my house. <laughs> yeah. And um he got the train. He got took to a uh, Bodymore Heath and he, where he didn't really do anything. You know. Uh Filler's last assistant manager, Eric Black, is currently in charge. He seems like I like him. I hope he stays. Mm. He's alright, isn't he? Eric. Yeah, he's trying his best. I mean, there's not a lot he can do. Yeah, I mean, I don't think four four two with Keevan Richardson on the left wing was the right thing to do. Yeah, I can see from his side because he's got to evaluate these players on the pitch and not Mm. what they've done under Kevin McDonald or Tim Sherwood. He's got to see it with his own eyes because he, you know, there's a chance he might get the job. (laughs) You know, it's not ruled out, is it? It's not like oh, Eric Black is definitely. I don't think he wants it. I think he said he doesn't want to go. He just wants Mm. to get out of Dodge because. I don't. I wouldn't want to be in Aston Villa state right now. No. I wouldn't want to be tarnished with the relegation. I'd want to be on the side when it comes up, when it's in the Championship, because you get all applauded. If you go down with them, mm. that could depend on you. We're linked with Nigel Pearson, but do you reckon if he gets it, we'll have Eric Black till the end of the season? Yeah, because it, it just makes sense, doesn't it? If yeah. Nigel Pearson comes in charge, he goes down. He doesn't staff well at all. Yeah. If Villa can't play well under anyone right now, you put Jose Mourinho in charge right now. They don't change at all. Because I that's don't set, that's anyway, so I don't think I'd want him <laughs> next season. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, if you could have one person, one Ooh. person to be Villa manager next season, anyone, anyone's up. Even people at clubs right now, anyone's up. Who'd you pick? Arsene Wenger. Pick Arsene Wenger. Why? Why do you pick Arsene Wenger? I think he's a good manager. He's solid. He doesn't ever like break the bank with the transfers, and you know the Arsenal fans hate on him for that. But he rarely makes bad signings. Yeah, he does. No. Hmm. When was the last time Arsene Wenger made a horrible signing? Like a really probably Jovino. Yeah, I... even then he didn't cost them that much. I don't think. I'd go. He's made a lot of pointless signings. Like Alex Oxford Chamberlain strikes me as a pointless one. He's a uh, homegrown quota, though. Yeah, oh, fair enough. Um, yeah, he's made a lot of pointless signings, but Park not too young. Yeah, that's probably. Yeah, that's it, really. With Denilson. Well, he came up for the youth, innit? Um, mm. 
no i'm fully agree there but mine mine <laughs> yeah, mine would be louis van Aal. <laughs> really yeah yeah and, uh, yeah reason reason for that is when i was a kid the first time I ever heard about Aston Villa was when Louis van Aal was going to replace John Gregory back in like 2002. And that was going to be a thing. So yeah. Did, they go, did they go with David O'Leary after? I think they went with Graham Taylor for a year and he kind of fucked things up a bit. Villa barely hung on to a Premier League status. They were 16th. And then the David O'Leary had a few good years. He was a bit of a, a non-factor yeah. as a manager. Then it was Martin O'Neill. Then this. But yeah, Louis, Louis Van Aal, because I don't know, he's like he's like Tim Sherwood in that he's funny outside and off the pitch and he says the right things off the pitch. But he's also like, I feel like he's a very smart person. Like someone you would want. He's like Nigel Pearson in the fact that he'll make you do what he wants. He's scary. But he also looks like someone who's got a lot going on. Mm. And you can get his teams to win when they're not playing well. Like at the minute, everyone's like, oh, if they lose the next one, he's gone. Then they win it. Like he comes up with the goods at the right time. And people are blaming every single problem at Manchester United on him when, you know, there's a lot more going on at Manchester United than Louis van Aal managing a team. And they're they're not in a great position behind the scenes themselves with how they're being run. You know, they've been running to crippling debt um, you know if it wasn't wasn't Manchester United I'd be extremely worried about their future but um, Lou Van Aar doesn't strike me as someone who's a bad manager at all no. um, he's someone he, I just want him because he's the first Villa manager well first person I ever associated with Aston Villa's manager position because of the yeah, news story I saw when I was a kid but yeah I'd go yeah. for him but, um, tell you who I definitely don't want and who we've been linked to a lot go on Bruce oh Roberto Martinez. We've been linked to them since. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the Gerard Hulier days, really. Remember, he's going to join. Why wouldn't you want him? But it's just not going well for him at Everton, is it? So that yeah. FA Cup semi-final, eh? or League Cup final, but or something. Their fans aren't happy with him. Their defence isn't solid. Um, I just yeah. I mean, he got Wigan relegated. I mean, I know Wigan weren't great. They weren't bad, though. They got relegated. They weren't, like, relegation material, though. They weren't, like, horrible. They had, like... What's his name? What's that guy's name? Rodder Jaeger. He was... Hugo Rodder Jaeger. They had him. Mm. But, yeah, it's not... It's it's like... It's this weird... It all comes back to when Rodgers, Martinez, and Lambert left their clubs, and they could have... Either one of them could have ended up at any one of Villa... Everton or Liverpool, any one of them. You know, Lambert could have went to uh, Liverpool. Martinez could have went to. Uh, where did he? Where did? Where did? What was that? Sorry, but I'm trying to think where they all went. Rogers went to Liverpool. Martinez went to Everton, and Lambert went to Villa. And it could have been any way around, depending on what happened. Because Martinez has been chased by Liverpool hard. They wanted, mm. but he was flown out to uh, Florida, uh, Boston to meet with the uh, Fenway Sports Group. Mm. You know, he was he was definitely going to take it. That leaves uh, Rogers going to um, Villa, Lambert ending up at Everton. And it could have been any... instead of Ashley Westwood. Yeah, yeah, and it could have been any you know any 
number of those moves. You know, it could have been Martinez ended up at Villa and Lambert ended up at Liverpool. It would it, it was all open. It was a complete merry-go-round in, in that sense. And uh, we're in that situation now with, uh, you know, Allardyce wants that he might be leaving Sunderland and Rafa Benitez might be leaving Newcastle. I would take Sam Allardyce at Villa in a heartbeat. You'd take him in a heartbeat. I don't, I don't disagree. Don't disagree at all. I think he's he gets a bad rap because of you know the way these mannerisms. You know he mm. he's a he's another smart person. No, he's no nonsense. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I, I'm down with I mean, that. So so is Nigel Pearson, but I mean, as far as I'm aware, Sam Allardyce has not choked out any player on the touchline. Yeah, he's yeah. got that going from. Yeah, and you'd, you'd like that to be, you know, the bar that you set for all managers, but unfortunately we are going to hire the one manager who has, you know, choked someone out on a football. Yeah. But yeah, um, David Moyes probably ended up at Newcastle, and uh, either way, it's, it's a win-win slash a loser. Would David Moyes go there, though? Well, he said he doesn't want to manage another championship team, but that's where the jobs are, unfortunately. <laughs> Those are the jobs you can take, David. Um, I feel like he's probably in no hurry to rush back. He's probably earned a decent amount in his career. Hmm. I mean, he's not... His accent probably wills up punditry. But... Because um, I wouldn't want to go to Newcastle. If, if it was Newcastle and Villa, Mike Ashley isn't that an appealing boss. Oh, of course not. No, he just put loads of money in a bank account for them. And this is the real story. He didn't, you know, own... Newcastle, he just gave them lots of money and said, when it's all gone, it's all gone. He didn't manage them. He just let them spend loads of money and went, oh, yeah, there's no more now. Sorry. <laughs> I hope you're not paying uh, players 80 grand a week because there's no money anymore. You know, this is... Well, bad. John Joe Shelby, you talk about our players not standing up and being counted. He was appointed their captain, wasn't he? He's not actually spoken out. He's given no interviews. He's not ever said, come on, come on, we need to get ourselves together. Yeah, Newcastle are a bit of a weird one because it's like going down, they're going to be a hard team to beat in the championship, but they could be ruined by stuff behind the scenes. Mm. And that that's a, seems like easy pickings there. And if they don't go up quickly, like the money, the um, parachute payments will dry up. And when there's money problems there, that could be catastrophic for them. Of course, yeah, you see with Leeds, I remember leading reading uh ian mcintosh's uh i think it's a football manager guide to football management it's pretty yeah. pretty cool um there's one chapter where brad some guy goes to you know an australian footballer goes to leeds united to speak about his contract and he's shitting himself outside the chairman's door yeah, he's I like i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna beg for 13 grand and get it to his agent his agent's like you're not even gonna say 13 grand you're gonna say 10 you're gonna say 10 walks in the guy goes, yeah, we'd, we, all we can afford to give you is 33 grand a week. And he's just like shaking his hand straight away. <laughs> you know, for yeah. a reserve footballer who's just come over from Australia, not even Harry Kuehl, not Mark Viduka, someone who's not even going to play for the first team is getting paid 30 grand. Which, I remind you, in 2002, it's about the that's, 80, yeah, that's that's in the mark. 80 grand mark now. It's relative to that. That was a lot. That, that's top, you know, Rio Ferdinand wages. Back there, when he when he was at Man, Man United, 40, 40, 50 grand. He's not far off. 30, mm. 30 to fifty grand. You know that's a reserve player that never played, and that's how you, you run football clubs into the ground. Mm. Uh, Newcastle will be terrible shame, but at least it's not Villa. <laughs> yeah, I mean at that point, at this point, it's just I don't care about anyone else. I just yeah, want to be th- I just want there to be three teams worse off than us. 
Yeah. Um, that's not going to happen this year, but... All right, then. On a uh, on a final note, right off the top of your head, where did the Villa end up next year? I would take a 12. 12? That, I'd be happy with that, because that means you win a few games. Mm. Uh, what you got to remember is uh, Villa have to win 27 games to win around about there to be near the top of the total chase in a championship next year. And they've won three this year. Mm. So it's a bit of a uh, improvement, so to speak. Yeah, we need to consolidate and then build, is what I reckon. Yeah, indeed. Uh, 12th is where I'd aim for as well. I'd like to say 7th. And 7th is what I'll go with. But yeah, uh, I, think that's, I think that's pretty much it for today. Uh, My we'll... list is dry. Yeah, the list is you've we've run the list dry and then some. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for joining me, Ellis. So you'll yeah. you'll be back soon, I hope. Yeah, uh, we'll I'd try like and find so. a regular. Now you're sacked. You're done. <laughs> you're done in this time. But uh, <laughs> take your list with you as well. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. It's gone. It's gone, everyone. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening. It has been a bit of a long one. Um, but yeah, ne- we'll be back. We'll find a regular date to get this out. And uh, join join me for episode four. Join me and Ellis, in fact, for episode <laughs> four. So uh, thank you very much for listening. This has been On The Pod episode three with me, James Rushton, at Jamie Rushton, and Ellis Sanford at it's underscore Ellis, right? Yeah, correct. And that's it. Cheers, everyone. Bye.